0: The Super Bowl, there was a feature on world and everything in it, the daily, week daily podcast from World News Group on the He Gets Us group that uh, has bought, a, I think, a couple of Super Bowl ads. And so there are, you know, as Ruth prayed, that this this huge American cultural event will somehow get the attention of we often we think of like oh yeah, all those other people that like oh, get our attention as well. And, you know, you're going to see things and be like, oh, that is not the way my culture, you know, my personal culture is. Uh, And I think that's like, okay, even that's something like, all right, examine the world, know of the world. We just are called to be outside of the world. And it's a big task on Super Bowl Sunday. uh, But I think for cushions, we can be paying attention and test ourselves on this. Um, And yet there will be some things that hopefully get those attention who the name of Jesus just isn't the true Uh, vision or view of who God is and God's son, so you can pray for that Um, I would encourage you you to pray for that Jesus would be glorified but also maybe pay attention to your own heart as well, my own heart um, in that, so speaking of Super Bowl Sunday, and it kind of played in, I did not um, for those of you worried, I did not think, how can I play a Chiefs clip and then fit the scriptures around it, but it did happen as I was preparing, like, ooh this would fit, lovely, as we talk about Waiting for the Lord if you picked up on the worship themes this morning. So let's travel back if you would, not two years because that was not as fun as Sunday, but three years ago, when Wakefield Hare, a 34 year old at the time, had waited his entire life for his uh, the team he grew up rooting for in the NFL to win the Super Bowl. And it was actually 50 years, uh, 50 years that separated the chiefs from when they won the first Super Bowl. To 2019. I know not everyone's a Chiefs fan in the room, but I think you can enjoy this anyway. So this is starting with the bummer part of the game a couple years ago. Interception, losing by three. Interception, fourth quarter, not very good odds. To, we made it to Super Bowl after 50 years, but have to wait who knows how long to actually win one after all that mess. 49ers were feeling pretty good. So then Chiefs fans start thinking about, well, we did win one once. That was a good day. Yeah. Pump it in there, baby. Just keep the the ball down the field, boys. Right? like this there. up. No. Oh. Yeah. He's yeah.
1: throwing long down the field for Tyreek. Got it at the 20-yard line. Right side, big throw. Back to
0: the end zone. Yeah. Touchdown. The a lot of pent up waiting you see the emotions in the faces of these fans there's a little anxiety and waiting there. I'm not to
1: die. I'm to the i to I'm to die. to the i to I'm to die. to the i
0: Did we, did we do it? <laughs> People crying, a lot of grown men crying that day, which is not typical. And then February pool jumping to celebrate. Because when you feel good, you want to feel bad pretty quick. <laughs> The football so, elicits a lot of emotion, that's for sure. So, um, so, and hang. Who's going down with the kids today? Okay, you're okay if I hang just a little bit longer with them, right? So, uh, so that was 50 years that the organization of the Chiefs, which. A lot of people have come and gone since then. Went from going to Super Bowl then and winning the Super Bowl to going and winning the next Super Bowl, and so 50 years is a long time, right? And it was a lot of like, oh, most almost all of those people in the videos, like they weren't alive when the Chiefs won their first Super Bowl. So it's like the first time you got to experience like my team won the Super Bowl, um, and so waiting is really interesting. Ken last Sunday. Uh, pulled out the measuring tape that was just last Sunday right and so strung it all the way around uh, 300 foot and you made it to 100 60 yeah, 70 so even on his scale we couldn't get enough scale in this size room uh to accurately reflect a time scale of our lives and anytime you have to wait even right now kids are like Man, he's talking a little long <laughs> like I I'd rather go down with Andy <laughs> Um, yeah, so even this five minutes seems like well, this seems like a long time. Um, as we get older, we know time actually seems like is going by much faster. Whereas a year when we were Johnny's age is not a year when we're Choocha's age, right? It's like oh, that just goes by so fast. Uh, and so our concept of time is really interesting. We just think about what God has shown us about waiting and being ready, and we actually have quite a few examples in scripture where the time was important and emphasized two years, Joseph waited in prison, uh, in Egypt, uh, two years wrongly accused Saul men he'd helped get out of prison. Uh, how oh, they forgot about me. You're like, well, when he, when he sprung the, the, uh, Pharaoh's, the man from Pharaoh's court from prison by helping him interpret, uh, Oh, by, by saying like, yes, this is what will happen. Please remember me. And you could think like, oh, Joseph's like, great. He's out. He'll remember me. He'll know. He can tell Pharaoh about me. I'll be out of here soon. And we don't know exactly how long he waited, but it's like, it wasn't right away. It was that guy later. And you're like, oh, yeah, there was that guy that changed my whole life. And now I remember him. So he had to wait two years. You think about where your life might be in two years. Like, what, what are you waiting for? You might have to wait two years for. Uh, Seems like a long time. Uh, seven years is uh, what was waited by uh, Jacob you know, to work, to marry a daughter, and then, oh, wrong daughter, not the one I was expecting, right? And so seven years of work just to find your spouse or get to be united with your spouse. And you can think how, man, seven years. I remember when Sarah and I uh, were waiting to get married and we always uh, played that uh, Beach Boys song. Wouldn't it be nice if we were older? then we wouldn't have to wait so long because it just seemed like so long. Um, And we were engaged for 10 months and oh, it seemed so long. Um, But seven years would have been a lot different. 15 years is the time that passed probably from when David uh, was told he was going to be the next king of Israel to then when he actually was anointed and and took the throne. 15 years. And we saw a lot happen in that time. It was like, Really, God? Like, that's your anointed, your king, and and 15 years is what it took for him to wait. 25 years for Abraham and Sarah to receive the promise of having a child, and it took 25 years for her to actually get pregnant when a woman's body is, you know, going through that late phase of life is like, how, how is that logical? It's not. It doesn't make any sense for an already senior woman to wait 25 years to actually be with child. So 25 years of waiting there, 40 years in the desert, in the wilderness uh, for the Israelites, 40 years, and in fact, timed by a whole generation passing away, like that was God's standard there. Of Hey, you all are going to pass away until a new generation who didn't doubt me so much can actually take the new land. So imagine waiting for 40 years. I am not 40 yet, so I, there's just no way for me to comprehend a full 40 years. 2,000 years was how long we waited right now, right? We're in this 2,000-year period of Christ came and Christ left. He left this world. He ascended to heaven. And yet now we wait now for his coming and his return. But it's actually not the longest that God's actually had his people wait even in this world. Approximately 4,000 years is what we pick up from Scripture of when the promise was given of Adam and Eve getting things crazy in the garden and then God promising like, there will be one who can stomp the head of the, of the serpent, who can defeat. It took approximately 4,000 years of when that was recorded to then when the Messiah was revealed. So who knows? We might not even be to halftime yet of waiting in, uh, in our 2,000 years. He's coming at a time we don't expect. So if we're talking 2,000, 4,000, 40, 25, how does that change what you are currently waiting on and getting anxious about going back to what Jesus had said in Luke last week or what we looked at last week? Why is the waiting so difficult? Because by any standard, The waiting is almost meaningless in the ultimate scale of things. So kids, as you get ready to go downstairs, just wonder, what is it hard? Like, oh, it's taking so long. JJ, have you ever said, it's taking so long. It's going to take forever. And it's like, I get it, kids. It hurts. It definitely hurts. There is a phrase we've said in our family. I really think it's scriptural and the reason we say it so often. Pain only lasts For a little while. So kids, if you're saying, I don't like what's going on in my life right now. I I feel anxious. It hurts. I wish something would change. I wish God would come back. Hey, Cece, you got something? (laughs) She got her raised. Anytime, Cece. Andy will buy you breakfast. Is that what happens if you ask a good question? (laughs) Um, But just know, this world is not the way things are supposed to be. There is a better A better kingdom waiting for us. Kids, adults, all of us. There's something better. So as much as you're like, this stinks, this hurts. Bible teaches us, Jesus has promised us, the pain only lasts for a little while. It does hurt. He says, I promise it's actually going to hurt. Just because it hurts, you don't mean like, well then give me death because it's too much. No, he says it's going to hurt. And he says, in spite of that, I have life ready for you. And the waiting is going to be really difficult. But you're not the only one, nor the first one, who's been asked to wait. And as you wait, get ready, he says. And we'll look at that some more. Um, you can all listen to my sermon on podcasts if you want to hear more. But right now you can go with Andy uh, downstairs. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as adults. I'm sure your parents would never object if you want to stay up here and listen to me. Luke chapter 12, if you have your scriptures, pull them up. I'm going to pray for me and us. Father, please give me your words. Please help us together truthfully interpret Jesus' words to us and the scriptures as a whole. Give us the insights that only the Spirit could give us as we study Scripture together. This is not for us to check off a Sunday worship service from our task list. It is definitely not to hear Wake speak or say that I've spoken. It's not to make sure we look good to other people. This is about you and letting your glory be known in this area in our hearts right now. And all over the world as people study your Scriptures, be glorified, Father, and let us be ready for you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 47. If someone would like to read that for me, be be warned, I don't want you to read verse 48 quite yet, so that's the kind of last of the section. But if someone would read Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 47, I would be thankful. Nice and loud. Thanks,
1: Chooch. 35, right? Yes. Be dressed for service. Keep your lamp burning, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. And I tell you the truth, he himself will seek him. put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat.
0: Oh, no, 47.
1: He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar would come, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. And Peter asked, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone?
0: Okay. Nope. Keep going.
1: Okay. And, the, and the Lord replied, "A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant thinks a master won't be back for a while?" and he begins beating the other servants, carding carding, carding, and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. One more verse. And a servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions, will be severely punished.
0: Thank you. And that is the word of God, and we are thankful for it. So... It's, you can see where the waiting, you know, hook at the beginning of this comes in. Um, if you would repeat after me, Jesus is coming again. Jesus
1: is coming again.
0: Jesus is coming again.
1: Jesus
0: is coming again. It is a, don't, you can stop repeating. Um, <laughs> it is something that we've kind of grown up knowing. Anyone who's been in any amount of bible study scripture worship knows that to be true like it's it's well sung about it's well read jesus is coming again and it seems like santa claus type talk often like it's a temptation to be like yeah this is one of the myths the christian myths we hang on to he's coming again great so we don't have to worry about today because he's coming again um and maybe it was ruth last sunday who or somebody in sunday school said that term like Oh, that person's so heavenly minded. He's no earthly good. Who said that? It was Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. I'm sorry. Um, and yet she said, "I've never, I've never met anyone like that." Though, <laughs> like, oh, you're too heavenly minded. Uh, and to be able to actually get into a place where we say those words, Jesus is coming again, and it becomes like a reality to us. Like it's as if we can put ourselves in a place of I can see it and it's real to me. So um, I have tried to make a mental habit in my adult life of really trying to take the mental picture of something I know is just gonna, it's going to pass on and it's going to be gone. So this time last year, we were in Hawaii and it was a really incredible experience. And there's just this sunset with palm trees and a mountain and the ocean and these beautiful flowers in February. And I... I remember like kind of click I got to remember this because it's going to be, you know, a couple weeks from now we'll be back in the February winter of the Midwest um and then I'll fast forward a year and we'll be here and like and so I do I hang on to that that image and in that moment I I could just feel like I know it's going to be gone so fast. And kind of the inverse of that is to be able to put ourselves into the future and actually imagine and be able to see and, it, and actually feel what we'll experience. It's really difficult. And I fa- in fact, I think it's one of the most powerful things for like human success is how long into the future can you think? If someone's just worried about relieving pain in the moment, they'll almost do anything to, to get rid of that. And that's where we get a lot of addicts, right? The dopamine hits and hormones that have been created in addicts um, and then many of us, but then can be taken to addiction where I need that hit and, and I need and if I try the same substance again, let's say it's heroin. I tried it and whoa, world caught on fire. If anyone wants to feel really great today, go find hard drugs to do later today. Like you, you probably will feel unlike you've ever felt before. There's a promise. You feel unlike anything else. Go do the hard drugs today unless you're worried about tomorrow. Because then you've got some problems, and one of the biggest problems is you're going to want that feeling again, and now you need to do a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and we've gone over Ted Bundy, who was a serial killer in the 80s, who murdered a lot of college women and mutilated them, and he, James Dobson interviewed him, like, how were you able to do such things? And he's like, pretty simple, pornography, pornography addiction, you know, what, how, how does that work? When I was getting the hits from pornography, all of a sudden to get that same high, I needed a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And eventually it drove him to doing what we would call just disgusting acts that brought death to families upon families upon families and ultimately brought death upon himself. And so anytime you're thinking, what is the timescale of the satisfaction I am searching for? You can draw that out as long as you possibly can, and you're probably setting yourself up well for that future day that you're preparing for. So, uh, speaking of the Chiefs again, there was a, a really good article on Brett Veach, who's the general manager of the Chiefs, who was instrumental in drafting Patrick Mahomes. And they actually, the reason they they said it probably in the Super Bowl today is because once they saw Patrick Mahomes on the field, they realized. He's going to be really good. He's going to be probably a Hall of Fame quarterback even. They they started having these con They had a specific meeting about if Patrick Mahomes is who we think he is, how do we build a roster and a team and the contracts of that team to actually make the most of this talent? And so they had a specific meeting when when everyone in the NFL, we need to win now, win now, win now, and used a first-round draft pick to when they already had a great Pro Bowl quarterback to draft another quarterback. And Joe and I talked about, it, like, it was a little disappointing because, like, we'd rather have a position that help us win the Super Bowl now. But giving up kind of that one year of a first-round pick, now we have get to go three Super Bowls. And they had specific meetings in an NFL office where it's win now, win now, about we need to figure out how we're going to win five years from now. So, which NFL team is more prepared for the 2023 season? The one who started thinking about it in 2022 or the one who started thinking about it in 2018? And you can see how, yes, other teams have done that. It probably hasn't played out so well. But Chiefs are a great example. Like a lot of other teams would trade, a lot of other fans would trade places with any Chiefs fan. And you're like, oh, that looks fun. You guys are, your get-togethers are like, oh, energy because your team is playing. The same can be said for anybody else who's thinking about a day in the future and preparing for that day. Jesus is coming again. The problem is we don't know when it is indefinite time on when that happens. For those who are trying to figure out when they are getting caught up in unscriptural practices. If you want to know a day or a year or even a, a, um, an era that he might return, we just have the promise. He is coming at an hour. We do not expect And that the balance between looking and interpreting signs and the times and just being okay with we do not know when. Um, That's a whole other conversation for another time. But what we can agree on is scripture says you will not know when. You can't say I will start preparing because I have a test. I'll start preparing 24 hours before and that's usually enough time for me. Or some people might be the hour before and that's enough time for me. We cannot procrastinate with the return of Christ because we have no idea when that will be. And so as much as we might be like, you know, it wouldn't be so bad to live my life the way I want. And then when I know that I'm going to have to face the judge, or I'm going to have to see Christ, when I'm going to have to be in front of my creator, then I'll start getting my house in order. Because I'm a procrastinator. That's what I do. I'm guilty of that, right? I think many are like, I'll get what I need done when it needs to get done. If we take that same mentality into being ready for Christ, we have a problem because we don't know when he's coming. And so what does Jesus tell us then? What's our solution to the fact we don't know when to prepare? Now's the time. It should have been yesterday, but we don't have yesterday. So now it's today. And today, the present, we have to get ourselves ready. Uh, and so you could just live on that sermon alone, like, get ready, let's go. You know, uh, uh, Super Bowl hype speech. But what does that mean? Most people are like, okay, great, get ready. Uh, am I ready? Do I know? What, it, what does that even look like? Um what most people have come to, when I say most people, I primarily mean Wakefield, is I was looking in... Chapter 9. Oh, one day oh, Jesus we called just the volume his down his 12 apostles and, and ox gave them power and authority there. to cast out... Uh, now, just hit the volume down on the ox because it'll probably be done every then single Then he slide. sent them out to tell... Ev- there you go. Thank you, Esther. What Wakefield has done in his life, as I I used to say about the Bible, like, I wish it would make it clear what was required to be saved. I wish the Bible would just make it more clear about what I needed to do and when I needed to do it. Uh, and one reason I was wondering that is because I never really read the Bible much. <laughs> you know, I'd heard the Bible stories, but to actually get a, a full look at Scripture took some time in my life. And it kind of led me to the mindset of what's the minimum required on my part to earn salvation, to be able to present myself to God on that day of judgment and say, Hey, what do you think? Can we do this together? And you can tell, you know where we've been the last few years in this church, you can tell why that's flawed thinking like, Hey, please tell me what my minimum requirement is. And knowing that, well, the minimum requirement on your part, Wakefield, is perfection. How are you doing? Well, by the time I would learned the minimum requirement, I realized I'd already failed the minimum requirement. And yet, that's still kind of the basis, the theology most of us have. Like, hey, if I if I do this to my neighbor, minimum requirement fulfilled. If I if I have joy and treat my kids more peacefully and patiently, minimum requirements like. Can I slip in on the curve, God, please? And him upholding his character, which is perfection. Do we want anything less for our next kingdom than for it to be perfect? Do you want a curve grade in heaven where injustices, maybe not quite so much as this earth, but there's still injustices there? Or would you like the next kingdom to be different from this one? And anybody who says, oh, God, how can he be loving to not let you know, us come in on our stained resumes? Well, it's because I don't want him to let me in on my stained resume. Because then I'll have what I already have, which is this world and glimpses of hell. And so I am glad he upholds that requirement. I'm glad his kingdom will not, uh, re- will not renege on a perfect righteousness But that leaves me here um, and so much further from I can't meet the daily requirement. And that's the recognition it takes to say you can't, I can't, no one can, and yet we have Christ. And so what am I willing to do? What am I trying to strive to be allowed to be in the righteous presence of God? I can do nothing except die and take on a whole new life which is the life of Jesus, which is the life of Christ. And yet something so simple, like I just have to die. And that's where we really dig in the claws. like, no, I want life and I want it now. And so do not ask me to die from what I want in order to have something far off in the future that I can't fully comprehend. I am not going to die. I will not die to myself. How about just take some pieces and parts of me while I can hang on to my life? And God says, no, you you have to die so that there's no part of you left. And all that is left is, is Christ. And so that's why it gets really difficult to even ask the question anytime in this world, of like, hey, what's the minimum? I can do because the minimum is always the same and it's to die. If you want to follow me, Jesus says, you must take up your cross daily, die daily, every day. There's no you. There's only him. And that is tremendously difficult as a people in this world, bearing down our claws of wanting this world because it's really all we know at this point And so what am I actually willing to do? Are you, am I willing to die? Die to every throne, every preference you have for the sake of the one who says, I have something fuller, more abundant life, as Ken mentioned last week, as Jesus mentioned in Luke chapter 12 earlier. What am I willing to actually do? Am I willing to take on in this life the weight of so much pain as I prepare for the glory that is told is waiting for me? Am I willing to take on the weight as I wait? And that is something that the disciples were thinking about as well and that the Spirit gave them to speak. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory. Sign us all up. Sounds great. By means of Christ Jesus. So after, after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. That's the basis of the the family saying, pain only lasts for a little while. Now, I guess we could follow up. And there will be pain. (laughs) You know it. Are you surprised? Uh, Paul says, do not be surprised when these things come upon you. Jesus says, do not be anxious about what you will wear and eat. This is things that will happen to people who go through this world. But just for a little while. Yeah, but wait, it's been years and this is really hard. I, I believe you. I can't say I know all of what you all have endured or are enduring. But what I know is when you say it is too long, it's too much. Like that is a lie. That's a lie you're being told and you're starting to repeat. As opposed to Jesus is coming soon. How soon? I always laugh because Andy, when he would take kids to Young Life camp, He would love it when they say, "Hey, how much longer?" And he would always say, "20 minutes." Like, so we're going to Colorado, a 12-hour drive. We are in Platte City. How much longer? 20 minutes. (laughs) And so soon, and 20 minutes. Like, oh, to one person it can seem like something completely different to another. Um, The reality is, we will be there soon. But soon to you and me might mean different things. And I admit, I don't look forward to an indefinite soon. But that is in fact what we have. And it seems purposeful on our creator, on Jesus' part, to leave that as soon. What does it take to believe that it'll actually be soon? It takes the, the taking out his words that this life is actually like a mist. Just a few seconds and the mist is gone. Just as quickly as it came, it's gone. And actually to put yourself in the mind like, This is as real as I am a 37 year old man living in United States of America in 2023. This is not the most real thing I will be. I will experience this is, this is the dream right now, not living the dream, but this is the thing that was like, you remember that when we were in the world and it was kind of like, Oh yeah. And my back sometimes hurts and I couldn't hit a backhand and the chiefs, you know, we're Super Bowl champions seven times in a row. Like, do you remember that? No, I, it's foggy because this is foggy. This is not as nearly as real. I'm not saying this isn't real in some metapsychological talk. This is real. This is all I know is real. Jesus promises this is not the most real thing we will experience. And in the suffering that we have, the pain, it only lasts for a little while. Got ahead of myself. <laughs> but I would encourage you to also take on a mantra of the little things of, of these scripture, these deep truths Jesus is giving to help make it so you can remember them. We talked earlier and last week and in Sunday school, do not be anxious about anything. I really think Jesus meant, do not be anxious about anything. And yet we'll need reminders. We're going to fail at that because we're anxious and we're like, oh, so I must not, like, no. He's gently guiding us into, his truth, his way, and what actually is real based on him being the Messiah. So this is one of them. Pain only lasts for a little while. And I encourage you to repeat that to yourself. Anxiety has no place here. Would be another mantra that you might say, like you're getting ready for your Monday morning tomorrow. It's going to be a little harder Monday because you probably stay up a little later than you typically do on this Sunday. Monday's coming. Monday's coming. What are you going to tell yourself about Monday? Here we go again. My Monday mantra. Here we go again. Or, pain only lasts for a little while. Anxiety has no place here. No place here. Um, And I encourage you to get those truths. And that's why I think the Jews were instructed to put the truths of God everywhere. Door frames. Wear them. Put them everywhere. That is not a uh, a verbatim from scripture, but that's what I think Peter was getting at. Pain only lasts for a little while. A lot of people who are in deep pain, pain is the most real thing they have, but it is not. That's a lie. So what? So if you would, I'd like to read uh, from Luke chapter 21, where Jesus is on the same thought a little later. And he gives a little bit further and like, so, Jesus, okay, be ready, be prepared. What does that mean? How do I get ready? And so, I'll make sure I got Luke 21, 25, okay. Okay, so Jesus said this. He's getting close to his, um, his time to be arrested and killed. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. And then he gave him an illustration about the fig tree um, And heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. And then verse 34, he says this, and this is kind of the part I want to emphasize. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. So he's like, oh, what do we do? If God is, if, you know, he's the one who, who saves us, who calls us to him, what do we do? And Jesus is cleared here, thankfully, in these words about saying, do not let what we see around us in this world be calling the shots to be doled by carousing and drunkenness, or maybe just like doled by the the constant noise that we put into our life. I've said, if Satan's doing one thing really well, uh, maybe his primary purpose that I've seen in scripture and has made aware, if you ever read the screw tape letters, CS Lewis's kind of vision of what's Satan up to. It's just running interference on the glory of God. That's all around us. If we stop long enough, like where's the glory of God? The only reason we can't see it is because there's interference being run, like distraction, chaos, like noise. Just if you don't settle for one second, you you won't have to worry about seeing the glory of God. But when you can just settle the things around you, drown out the noise and the interference, you start to get a peek of like, wow, God's glory is literally everywhere. So it's like Jesus is, that's what I hear Jesus saying there. Don't be dull. Don't. Don't get so distracted by the things of this world that you lose sight of the fact that I am coming again. The most real part of you and me is when we will be standing in front of our our creator, our judge. That's the real thing. Don't let it come unaware. Don't let that day catch you like a trap. It is coming. There is no doubt. It is promised and promised clearly. Unlike some of the other scripture truths, like I think this is what it means. He is coming that day in great glory, on clouds. I don't know exactly how that'll look, um, but he is coming. And so what do I need to do? Hit my knees and pray that I could be strong enough to escape uh, these coming horrors. And a lot of this stuff, I'm like, oh, that might already be here. Like some of these horrors, we might be living in those times. We might go ahead and keep our eyes up because, hey, it could be any day. There's some like strange things happen to the earth. Check. So keep your eyes up and know that it could be today. And that we, in our uplooking, it's like, oh, don't be so heavenly minded. You can't be earthly good. It's like, no, we are going to pray and hit our knees because we need help to handle the pain that we are currently in. We can't do it on our own. You need to hit your knees, again, for shock effect, look, like even that makes you feel like, oh, he's not standing anymore. The posture of what is my heart doing and to be able to actually get in a place where I can say, I can't do this on my own. I need your strength to pray before our Father in Heaven that he would do and sustain us. He would do enough to sustain us that we can stand when that Son of Man comes. We won't be like, oh, no. I, I am not ready. I am not ready. But instead to be looking forward to that day coming. Are you, do you want Jesus to come back today? If your answer is not a quick and confident yes, beware that he may not be your savior. If you're not looking forward to this kingdom ending, that may mean this is your primary kingdom. And that's the one thing you just do not do. Use it as a test for you. If you do not want Jesus to come back right now, then you probably won't want him to be your king. You don't want him to be your king. It's a red flag. There is anyone who's like, yeah. Are there things we need to do today? Yeah, but only because we're waiting, not because we need to take care of it to meet the required minimum so that when he comes, we can stand. We only stand when we have perfect righteousness before him. We only have perfect righteousness when we believe in Jesus. That's the only place perfect righteousness comes from. Uh, so the last verse in Luke chapter 12, do you still have it open? Read verse 48 in Luke 12 for me.
1: So when someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in your truth. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be
0: required. So, out of be ready, what does that mean? Well, hit your knees and pray that you'd have the strength, that you'll be ready to stand on that day he comes. And it's like Jesus saying, and what that means is everything I've given you, you're going to go after it and use for my glory, knowing that there's a bigger picture than whatever you're doing with it here on earth. That's a whole nother teaching. I was like, I'd like to go there, but I knew it'd be 11 o'clock by the time we got here. Um, But I would love to think, what do you have? What resources have you been given? And therefore, what call has been put in front of you to say, well, I'll I'll just wait here with my hands in my pocket. What are you doing? Just waiting for the Lord. The Lord has said, those who love me will keep my commandments. And those who love me will love and serve others. As I have done to you, go do the same. And you have a lot of resources. Most people hear money, dollar signs, when they hear that, like that's one of many. You have so much. And some of you are retirees. And you're like, well, my, my economic production days, my main production days are over. Uh uh-uh. If they were over, you'd be dead. You'd not be here. They might just be just beginning. A retiree has the best ability of anyone because now they've been set free from just doing things for money and they've hopefully built up things and social security that can now like, now what is the call of God? What's it truly? Where you get to wipe out one of the distractions of just, I just need enough to feed my family. And all of us have that call. Retirees especially are in an interesting time of that. Like, all right, so what am I called to? More golf, more fish, more cooking and baking. Maybe. But for what purpose? God's called us to a purpose. As we wake, we have so much in front of us. And those who don't use that, be ready for your whooping, Jesus says. (laughs) I'm going to beat you. And not just beat you. He didn't say, I will. He says, you'll get a beating. And it won't just be a beating. It'll be a severe beating. And a lot of times we just think about like, oh, yeah, great. Let's go to heaven. And God's not going to punish like, no. You will be punished by the master who's called you and created you to do good things. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth cast out from the kingdom of God. So anytime you're like, well, if this, is, if this is hell, I can live with this. There's worse than this. There is direct punishment for you. And there's so much better than this as well. And how do we get ready? You acknowledge that your life is not your own. Therefore, you can die He can start living and live within us. And then it's like, well, as Paul said, if I'm here, great. I'm going to give myself to the work in front of me. But if I'm not here, yes, because I am with the Lord. And that's a day we will be able to stand in the perfect righteousness, not of our own, but in Christ. So if you have any anxiety about Jesus coming back, don't run and hide because there's nowhere you can. But use it as a wake-up call to say you don't have to live with that anxiety. Christ specifically died and rose to take away that anxiety. And that's really good news. And it applies whether or not the Chiefs win the Super Bowl today. I have my expectations for disappointment today and for every day of my life, honestly, because this world is not my own. But as long as I am in this world, I am going to hit my knees and pray that I will have the strength to endure the pain that awaits and the suffering that is promised me, and I will do it looking forward to the fact that it only lasts a little while. And if you see me or any of each other not living in that truth, that is what a church family is for, to say, what are you believing right now? You don't have to condemn. You can just be the one that checks in and asks good questions of each other. What are you believing right now? And how does that line up with the words that we've been promised from Christ himself? Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus' encouragement. Please fill us with the strength to endure the day, um, however hard it may be. And let us not be afraid or anxious about anything that, can be, that might come our way or might be stripped from us. For we know that, no, that, that you have given us something that cannot be destroyed in that righteousness that will get us to a kingdom that lasts forever in the presence of our Father in heaven. Um, But we do need your help. We plead for it um, as seriously as we can. We ask that we would die. And if we are unwilling on our own accord or on our own will, that you would cause us to die so that there's nothing left but room for Christ to be glorified and believed and honored in us. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.